Okay, so how about I just uh, touch the essence of what you have? Are you all there in message in the compact? How about you read the title all together? Go. Okay, all together in one is one, two, three. Okay, the compass of our Christian life. Okay. Uh, uh, Chris and Tino and then uh, myself, we, we are touching this matter because as Christians, we do need direction for our Christian life. And when we touch the matter of direction, for sure, we do need a compass, okay? Um, I would like to put uh, the need of a compass in the context of God's eternal purpose. And as a young person, you need to learn this secret to understand the Bible, to understand the meaning of human life, the meaning of your Christian life and church life. It's always good to put it under, under the umbrella of God's eternal purpose. Okay, so that's why you have Roman numeral one there. Uh, how about you go ahead and read it, go. Okay, and then here we have three verses. <clears throat> and with these three verses, I'm going to draw something for you that will hopefully make the need of a compass so apparent. Okay, so how about brothers? Read Psalm 90, verse 2. Go. Okay. Um, underline that phrase, from eternity to eternity. Okay, so you need to know that, according to the Bible, there are two eternities. Eternity past, and then eternity future. Okay? Then, how about uh, girls? Ephesians 3.11, go. According to the eternal purpose which he made in Christ Jesus our Lord. Underline the eternal purpose. Okay, there is such a thing. This is one of the very few, maybe the only verse that has this phrase, the eternal purpose. Our God is a God full of purpose. He created, he acts, he intervenes according to his purpose. Even you were saved, and the seven of you who were baptized, you were baptized according to his purpose. And it says there, which he made. You see? It's not random. It's not just uh, without any reason. He made that purpose. And then all together on Malachi 3.6, go. You have to underline, I, Jehovah, do not change. He will not change. His purpose will not change. His intention will not change. Not even the fall of man will cause our God to change. So, with those three verses in mind, I'm glad you put those two together, these two words. I may use them together. I'm not sure. Okay. So, but let me start here. So we have from eternity to eternity, right? One eternity and then the other eternity. 
two semicircles, eternity past and eternity future. Okay, that's Psalm 90, verse 2. Okay, so in between these two eternities, according to Ephesians 3.11, God made a purpose. And according to Malachi 3.6, that purpose is unchanging. It's a straight line right here. Okay? So you can add all the verses that we read here. Uh, Psalm 90, Ephesians 3.11... Malachi 3.6. You have to remember those verses. Good verses to memorize. Okay. Then, <clears throat> uh, for his purpose, he created all things. Especially, he created man as the peak of his creation. Right here comes in man. Unfortunately, very soon after God created man, man fell into sin. Okay? So here is man's fall, right here. The fall of man. And from that fall, man fell from God's original intention. And God has to come in. He becomes a man, right? What a wonder. The infinite God becoming a finite man. This is a real wonder of wonders, a real miracle. And then, you know, he's going to do something right here. But I want you to consider this. When man fell, he lost his direction. So not only man is lost, right? But also his direction is lost. Today, man thinks that he lives for so many things, right? I don't know, make lots of money, have lots of toys, uh, have fame and power, be successful in the worldly things, a lot of things. He lost his direction. And that leads man to have a meaningless life. Okay, so God comes in, he, become, he, he becomes a man, and then he dies on the cross and stops man's fall. Then he is buried and resurrected, and in resurrection, he became what? Life-giving spirit. Very good. He became the life-giving spirit. So that, okay, life-giving spirit, Bianca, so that he can do what, Bianca? He can dispense himself in time. Very good. Blessed are you. Learn to use these words. He can dispense himself into us. Right? This is man with three parts, Bianca. What is the deepest part of man? Our spirit. Our spirit. Very good. So God comes into right here. Okay? Now, let me ask you something. When man is redeemed, is that all? No. Look at where is man even redeemed. But God's purpose is right here. When man is regenerated, he's right here. Is that all, Bianca? No. No. God's purpose is right here. Okay, so even us as Christians, we do need a direction, a compass that will bring us back. Let me use the same color. That will bring us back 
here. Right? That's where the, the, the significance, the importance of a compass, right? And I don't know how to draw it, but I'm going to draw it like this. And you see, that's the compass. We need something that will bring us back to God's original intention. And that's what we, I would like to spend just a few minutes with you uh, to, to open more this matter of the compass. Okay, but you have to see, we fell, God went through so, all these steps, and now he has given us a compass that will bring us back to his original intention. Then when man reaches this point, that's where God's kingdom, you know, comes into this earth, and then we come to eternity future where we together express God for eternity. That's the meaning of our human life, Christian life, and church life. Without this, life is meaningless, okay? So, I'm gonna use now this word, very good. Okay, <clears throat> I have good news for you. Read Roman numeral two, go. Do you realize when, Bianca, when God dispenses himself into you as life, he installed in your being the compass. It's not, something, it's not just something that we do. It's a person. It's Christ himself. Okay, because this compass is made up of three parts. Okay? So, we have... The three components or three dimensions of this compass. Okay? And I'm using uh, Exodus 21 5. How about you go ahead and read all together? Go. Okay, you have to read the verses in Exodus 21. This is a Hebrew slave who has been working or serving for six years, and when the seventh year comes, he has the freedom to go out free, okay? But if he plainly says, I love my master, okay? I'm going to write the word Lord here, or master. I love my wife here. I'm going to write the word church, and I love my children. I'm going to write the word fruit. Okay? I love my master, that is the Lord, that is God. I love my wife, that is the church. And I love my children, that's the fruit you produce. I will not go out free. Okay? Without these three dimensions, these three components, life is meaningless. Without Christ as the Lord, human life is meaningless. I must have Christ. I'm an empty vessel. I accomplish all these things. I have all these degrees. I'm a bachelor's, a master's, a PhD, a postdoc, but I feel empty. My life is meaningless. What else is there? Well, it's because as a human being, as a person, I must have Christ. Okay, now, you all have Christ, yes? 
That was very weak. Do you have Christ? Yes. Very good. You have Christ. Now, what about your Christian life? I tell you, without the church, without being in the house of God, without having fellowship with other believers, being built up with others, without having companions, your Christian life is meaningless. You must have the church. You must have companions, those that you run with and pursue Christ with. Okay, so without the church, then the Christian life, meaningless, right? Okay, then, but you know what about, what about your church life? You know, without fruit, your church life also becomes meaningless. You, we may be Sunday after Sunday, meeting after meeting, big Bible study after big Bible study, being even in the homes. But if that is just all that is going on year after year, without bearing fruit, eventually we taste, we have a taste of meaninglessness. You see the compass? We must have the three. We must have Christ so that my human life has meaning. We must have the church so that my Christian life has meaning. And we must bear fruit so that my Christian life and church life have meaning. So th those are the three components of this wonderful compass. And this compass is a person, I told you, it's Christ. How do we know that? Well, look at the verses on the Roman numeral one. The first verse is John 14, 31. Can somebody find that verse and read it to us? And then I need somebody else who prepares Ephesians 5, 25, and then somebody else who prepares Galatians 2, 20. Okay, so I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, go ahead. You have it, Jackie, go. Okay, so this is, this is so that the, that the world may know that I love the Father. So he is the one, right, who is the reality of this first part. I love the Father. That is John 14, 31. And then we have, concerning the church, who has Ephesians 5.25. Go ahead. Could you read out loud? Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So Christ loved the church. So Christ loves the Father and Christ loves the church. And you can write here Galatians 2.20. Uh, sorry, sorry, Ephesians 2.20. Thank you. Ephesians 2.20. Uh, 525, what I'm saying, I'm getting ahead of myself, okay, Ephesians 525, okay, now, somebody reads Galatians 220, go, go ahead, yeah. I am crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
So you can write here Galatians 2.20. Because he is the one who loves the children. So Exodus 25, I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. This is Christ. Who loves the father. Who loves the church. And who loves the children. And in every case, you have two words. Join together forever. And that is, I don't know even how to write it. That is love, and that is connected with sacrifice all the time. The Lord said, I love the Father. I do everything that he commands me, including going to the cross to die for us. So he loves, but there is a sacrifice. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Again, there is love and a sacrifice. Galatians 2.20, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You have love and sacrifice. And this is, these are the two things combined together that you can see and you experience even in human life, with your mother, with your parents, they loved you and gave themselves up for you. All the sacrifice they made so that you and I can be today standing right here. So these two things go together. So it's Christ. So in the compass, this compass to bring us to God's eternal purpose, the compass needs to grow in us. This is Christ making his home in our hearts. This is Christ loving the Father, always growing in us, loving the church, and loving others. Okay? We must reach this point. Those that we care for. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? Do you love him? Do you love him? Yes. Do you want to follow him? Yes. So we have to reach this point. Every follower of Jesus and you, I have to reach this point. I have two questions that you need to answer. Okay? Number one is who is investing in you? Just like in human life, there was somebody called Mama who invested her very life into you. Somebody. Without that somebody, you will not be here. Sorry. Somebody was telling me, I think it's Ae Posos, that medical doctors say that the first five years of human life are a miracle. Just that a, that creature will make it the first five years of their lives. It, it's just a miracle because a lot of things can happen. So you, you and I ha must have somebody. Okay, so the question one is, who is investing in you, my brother? Is somebody investing their life in you? We must have somebody. But the second question is equally important. 
Who are you investing in? Two things, right? This is the Lord Jesus. He did this very thing. You have to remember this verse. Okay, remember? I don't know where to write. Okay, Mark 3.14. In that verse, how about somebody read it? Okay, let, let's take the time. Find it and read. Somebody, I just need one who... I'm getting you ready for the uh, Bible flipping exercise, okay? <laughs> so this is just a warm-up. I'm just warming you up. Um, okay, go ahead. Go ahead and read it out loud. Very good. So, Jesus called 12 that they might be with him. For three and a half years, our God decided to invest everything on a small group. He is God the investor. He invested everything for three and a half years on that group. That's why he called them, so that they might be with him. That's the first part. If I was one of the 12, 2,000 years ago, I would say, I would answer the first question. Yes, I have somebody who is investing in me. His name is Jesus. I have somebody. Kevin, don't answer. Do you have somebody, my brother? Those seven who were baptized, do you have somebody who is investing in you? We must have somebody, okay? But then the verse says that he might send them to preach. That's the, now I am the investor. I invested in you. Now you go and invest on somebody else. Then the, the so-called Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 is fulfilled. How about we read Matthew 28, 19 is on the Roman number 5. 28, 19, and 20. Go. Let's go together. Go. Very good. Did you realize that this charge was given to disciples? Strictly speaking, God did not come here to this earth to produce Christians. That is not our name. That name was given to us as a nickname by others. You can take a look on Acts chapter 11, verse 26. That was a nickname given to us. What the Lord came to do was to raise up disciples. And then in Matthew 28, he tells the disciples, go and make more disciples. Make more disciple-producing disciples. That's how he is going to gain the whole earth. He invested in a few, he perfects them, and then he sends them to do the same. And he wants to do that very thing with your life. I know as a young person, within you, deep within you, you aspire for a life full of meaning, a life that will have an eternal impact on this earth. And God is going to do it if you just allow him. He will do it. He's in the business of, 
of producing out of nothing, something, and out of a little, a lot. That's how great our God is. He, he is, he has, he's changing your nothingness into something, and the little thing that you may think you have, he's going to change it into a lot if you just allow him. Okay? So, one minute left. <laughs> Drama number three. What are the three characteristics of a disciple according to the Gospel of John? Three characteristics of a disciple. Okay. Do I have it there or no? Roman number four. The, four. the compass and the three characteristics of a disciple as seen in the Gospel of John. John 8, 30 to 31. No time to read the verses, but I can highlight the main point. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Please notice that in the previous verse, there were many who believed into him. So don't be just a believer in a general sense. You have to abide in his word to be his disciple. Okay? That's number one. Abide in my word. This is number one. Abide in my word. Then number two. How about you read the verse? John 13, 35. Go. Love for one another. That is horizontal, Sean, right here. So you abide in my word. Even the Lord Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So that is vertical. Horizontal, the second component of the compass, is if you have love for one another. And then the third component, according to John, go ahead, John 15, 8, go. How do you become his disciple? According to that verse, if you bear much fruit right here. You see the compass in the context of being a disciple who produces more disciples. And that is our challenge. Okay? So we're called not just to be a Christian, not just to be a believer, but to be a disciple that goes and produces more disciples so that they in turn will produce more disciples and so forth. When we reach that point, I tell you, nothing will stop us.